Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies, buddies talking about cinema. Hi, I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. I'm Tori Zori from Radio Milwaukee. And I'm Marielle Alschwang. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, Special you are. guest. Say no more. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah, exactly. Marielle, um, we're very excited that you're here. We are going to do a new little fun thing at Cinebuds where we're going to talk to local musicians that we love. Aww. Yeah, that's right. Uh, about their connection to movies. So we're going to talk about music and movies. And uh, we wanted to have Marielle here, first and foremost. I'm gonna say this, and I I would I've said this without you being here. My favorite musician in Milwaukee. Fact. I got chills. Thank you. <laughs> Number wow. one in our hearts. Absolutely. Uh, you're in a bunch mm-hmm. of bands. Can you tell everybody which ones? Sure thing. Um, Marielle Alschwang and the Visitations. Um, I just said it like that because that's like how my that, yeah. grandma says our last name. And sometimes I like to throw that in there. Got to respect the grandma's way yeah. of pronouncing things. It's true. I think that's the real way. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I grew up in Milwaukee. So, you know, yeah. roll with it. Um, uh, and collections of colonies of bees, um, group of the altos and hello death. Is that it? <laughs> For right now, It's probably. a good sign that oh. you can't keep track. That's oh, perfect. and I'm in a duo home recording band called Lomira. Oh. With Adam. Oh, that, I don't know mm-hmm. this yet. Yeah, it's on Bandcamp. It's pretty weird. Oh, that's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. I think one of the cool <laughs> things about all those bands you mentioned, although very different, there's a cinematic element to the music in each one of those bands. Mm. Is that intentional? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know how it would be intentional. It's just interesting. I mean, yeah, I think the each one of these bands, I think, is just trying to create like this sort of its own environment of sound and, um, you know, uh, trying to bring something new into the world. And I think, you know, that's what a lot of filmmakers are also trying to do is. Um, you know, maybe from a different angle, but I mean, group of the altos has, you know, up to between 12 and 19 people at a time, all coming with their own sort of, you know, imagination and sort of, you know, the imagery that is their, you know, psychic universe. And so you get those people together, create sound. You're probably also like envisioning, you know, a story or a certain like emotional rhythm that goes with that sound. And then you hand it over to like Heather Haas to make a video. And then it's going to, you know, culminate in like, you know, the full fruition of (laughs) (laughs) what, what that like, you know, seed of the idea was you know, kind of propelling into becoming. So, um, yeah, and even like Lomira, which I just mentioned, which I'm excited for everybody to check out, um, you know, it's it's like an experimental duo project with Adam Krauss, who's in most of my bands with me now, and he's like very influenced by like soundscapes and experimental sort of like tape loop type approaches Mm. and um you know layering and sort of fusing together different or even turning like i think one of our recordings he like made bird sounds become like this uh like percussive rhythm or whatever as part of this you know sort of 
what we were literally imagining as kind of an environment, like a sort of liminal space. So, yeah, I mean, I think it can happen really naturally or just kind of depending on how you're making things. And I'm excited to also talk about some of the films I love because, you know, they're some of these artists that I was introduced to through film are just like the ways that they can tell stories and create an, a world, um, you know, in ways that were very, uh, you know, innovative at the time or, you know, yeah. very new for the times um, were m- mind blowing for me at these like different stages of my life. And, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, now that we know a little bit about the background, <laughs> I am very excited to dig into the full podcast to yeah. learn more about not only what some of your favorite films are, but how important is music and film to you? So you're going to have to listen to the I podcast. Know. So stick around uh, and we'll be right back. Hey, Wisconsin foodies. This is Tariq Moody of Radio Milwaukee. Join Milwaukee Magazine's food writer Ann Christensen and myself every Friday morning at 8 a.m. for This Bites, Milwaukee's longest-running culinary podcast. We talk about everything from new restaurants, pop-ups, cookbooks, events, and even an occasional interview with a local chef. Head over to RadioMilwaukee.org slash This Bites or listen anywhere you get your podcasts. And we're back. Yeah, we're back now. All right. So, um... I do like what you said. The it is all storytelling. It's I mean, so you boil it down. It's all storytelling, world building, or even the or even sort of the obliteration of the stories that we are <laughs> yeah. familiar with or like accustomed to through music. I think you know, like um, sort of habits of listening and patterns of creating a song or or taking music in. It's sort of like how can we like completely recalibrate or re uh, not realign, but you know just kind of destroy the matrix of that and yeah. re recombobulate. Try to do yeah. something exactly. very very different than <laughs> yes. what we've all seen before, mm-hmm. which happens in both movies yeah. and music. Mm-hmm. And um, Group of the Altos in particular mm. had a very direct link. To uh, to um, aiding a story when oh, you guys yeah. uh, they uh, did a little score yeah. to uh, some soundtracks yes. live. Oh, thanks. One for of my me. favorite memories. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about that project? Sure. Um, we premiered that uh, at the Milwaukee Film Festival. It was a sort of partner commission between Milwaukee Film and Alverno Presents, um, and David Ravel was just a huge you know advocate for group of the altos and all of our you know sort of the projects that were stemming from that and at that point group of the altos i want to say we had oh around 15 i'm just going to say this number loosely (laughs) numbers um but i mean there's a poster from this and you can count how many people were in it i'm not going to do that right now in my head but say many many many. and then we we even recruited more for this uh original score soundtrack project um that was the centerpiece for the 2013 Milwaukee Film Festival and so Is that um, how long ago that was? Uh, yeah, I know. Wow. It feels like yesterday. It does. It doesn't feel also, like Also when they yeah. asked you about this, was it an instant heck yeah or were there any reservations about doing something like that? Is there more 
pressure to provide a score for a soundtrack than play your own music at a concert. I mean, there definitely is because there's a lot a period of writing involved, um, writing and watching. Or at first, I think we were kind of trying to think of what film made the most sense. So I think that's when you know Jonathan Jackson. Uh, of Milwaukee film uh, played a role in that, which was to select the film and, you know, Jonathan loving, you know, these like art house films selected um, this Ukrainian film called uh, Zemlia or Earth, um, which was, oh gosh, I... I'm sure there are others who will do a much better job at giving a synopsis of this film, but it was kind of about the, you know, uh, industrialization or this or, you know, the uh, this sort of transition from, you know, uh, Ukraine as the sort of pastoral agricultural, you know, kind of um, economy to, you know, becoming more modernized and um industrialized and i think maybe there's there were uh threads of of like political issues like communism capitalism you know um okay so you out there who are all the film (laughs) nerds can call in and tell me that that was a terrible synopsis but keep it's been 10 years so happy 10 year anniversary yeah that's right nice and um, you've watched it more than either one of us so i would trust your assessment of what this was about but so how many times (laughs) did you watch the film to get inspired to write a score for it oh gosh um you know, let's say a hundred times. I mean, <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of, you know, watching it before you've written anything. Um, and then there's kind of a, what I think is a really exciting time of um, playing while you watch the film or in conjunction with like creating parts to like fill in gaps that go into you know because you're trying to create music for each like minute of of this feature length film and we're all I mean everybody in group of the altos I mean we're so sensitive we're such like (laughs) I don't know we're kind of you know tender touchy feely kind of emotional (laughs) people and so you know you watch you're watching um you know humans from you know a century ago emoting and uh I think I mentioned this in a different interview that was much closer to like when we premiered this, but like seeing the faces of people who are acting on film and you're creating something at the same time. And just it was really trippy to like think about you also like in 2013, you know, like in a group of people being, you know, directing yourselves or being directed to. Uh, emote through your instrument or vocalize something that's telling the story uh, alongside, you know, people who are doing like, who are doing the exact same thing. I mean, we're watching it and we're kind of immersed in the narrative of the film, but it's also like, oh yeah, this behind that, there's, you know, a group of people who are constructing this. Like you Um, had to, there's people making art a hundred years ago (laughs) and now you get to make art with them a hundred years later. Yeah. That's got to be great. And then, but then also the difficulty of having to do some practical, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. like you have to time it and fill in bits. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a, it's an amazing project and it Mm -hmm. went off like gangbusters as an audience member. It was a full theater. It was so special to watch. I think that there is a real desire 
um, to kind of get back to those unique theater experiences where you can go. Like this weekend, the MSO did this the um, orchestral soundtrack for Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas Live, oh, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those things sell out. And I think those kind of unique experiences of maybe something our great-grandparents would have had to do at the yeah. movies are so exciting for us to be mm-hmm. able to experience again. And I don't know anyone other than Milwaukee Film who would really take the time and the care to put some, something like that together. So I'm telling you right now, Christopher Pollard, if, yeah. if you guys have something like that planned for the next film festival, I am there. Oh, good. Just, I mean, I know you care about my input for the film festival. I do. I care about everyone's input. (laughs) Well, this is good. So we we want to talk more about your connection, like from music to movies, Mm -hmm. but we also want to know just about you as a film goer, (laughs) Mm -hmm. some of your favorite things. So we want to go back and forth a little bit, but I do want to ask you a few questions about some of your faves. Totally. Let's do this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) These are the fun ones. Um, so I'm going to ask, well, let's start Let's start real simple. What's the funniest movie you've ever seen? To me, Young Frankenstein <gasps> or Frankenstein. We're going into Allschwein versus Yeah, yeah, Allschwein and Frankenstein. <laughs> what, oh, when, that's a good choice. Do you remember the first time you saw that film? Oh, gosh. It was like, you know, on TV uh, when I was uh, a teenager. And so... All I remembered from that was like the their wolf, their castle line. And I don't even re- I didn't even need to remember the context of that line. I would just be like out with my friends like huh, their wolf, their castle. But um, no, I just I loved it so much um, and finally got to access streaming services yeah, yeah. To, nice. to see the whole to thing. see the whole thing. But I haven't gotten the chance to see it in a theater, which I would love. I will um, quite often find myself saying put the candle back. <laughs> the candle back. Yeah, my the one that sings that to me from that is the the big uh, um, dance number with Frankenstein at the end mm-hmm. uh, to the song to the tune of fill in the blank sing oh, it why? hum it we'll get it I like I like that I started that thought with I always remember and then ended with me very much Christopher's not doing a top hat like yeah I'm doing from... a top hat with the cane yeah putting on the Ritz putting it, on the Ritz it eventually comes to me yeah. That's the one that I remember the most, but I've seen it so many times. It oh, is good. a very funny oh, movie. God. That yeah. film came out in 1974. Oh, what mm. an auspicious year. Perhaps one that I was born in. <laughs> oh, then, yeah. Very Perhaps auspicious. next year, that movie will be in the theater. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> oh. Oh. That's what I'm just saying. If Sid and Bud's listeners, I mean, there's a payoff. You've been listening all these weeks. <laughs> we'll drop some Easter eggs in there for you. Yeah, like I can't say officially, but unofficially. Mm, official wink. That is a that is a great movie. Good mm. choice. Yeah, no doubt. What is the movie that um, makes you cry the most, or um, whatever your equivalent of crying <laughs> yeah. is? Because I don't want to assume everyone screaming does. into the night, yeah. perhaps. Clutching your pearls, <laughs> yeah, a good with the feels. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's a tough one to answer. I'm, it may be impossible for me to answer. I could, I can cry at basically I mean, anything. It, there's a huge range of what I'll cry to. Yeah. You know, from you know a film about sheep with no dialogue to like Amanda Bynes <sighs> in London yeah. trying to. Find her dad. So, <laughs> do you, th- which is my most recent cry. Oh, I Wait, like no, that. That's a reference I'm not getting, but I still think it's funny. Um, it's a real movie. And 
Ryan Ziegler, if you're listening, you're going to be so angry at me for forgetting what it's called. Well, I have a computer here, so I can I can yes, we will get to the these things. Okay. Amanda Bynes. <laughs> um, what do you what's your go to movie for when you're having the feels and you just want that like comfort? Um, this is going to sound weird, but. Nosferatu, directed by um, Werner Herzog. Whoa. <laughs> That's a tearjerker? Um, or just more yeah, of a... It's oddly therapeutic for me. I I don't know. It's like the what I want to like immerse myself in <laughs> when I'm having a hard time. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just gorgeous. I, I know this because you showed it as your staff pick a I few did. years ago, and that was the first time I'd seen it was there. That's how much I love it. Yeah, that is um, a really good choice. She oh, loved thanks. it enough to share it with her coworkers. <laughs> yeah. that's, you, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting choice, and I need to watch it again now. <laughs> it's just, it's maybe it is partly the music. Honestly, it has, the soundtrack is by Popol Vuh, oh. which is um, sort of, maybe a more uh, atmospheric or like celestial version of um, who did Goblin. That's it. Oh, oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, similar time period, you know, doing soundtracks to like moody films, but they also have a million really gorgeous kind of conceptual albums. Um, but uh, yeah, it's very... Like there's this scene that actually Kate Bush also oh, loves. Oh. So shout out to my soul sister, <laughs> Kate Bush. But um, there's a scene. Um, so it takes place, you know, during like the Black Plague, and uh, Isabella Johnny is like walking through this square, this city square, and this is like in the thick of just like the total destruction of the plague and you know the vampire uh that's you know just causing the illness and death of like everyone around and it's like absolute chaos but it's like you know the scene in the square is like a poetic chaos it's like people sitting to dinner outside because they can't be inside which we remember kind of what that was like um you know i think there was like a pig dressed up maybe in a top hat maybe i'm just inserting that memory (laughs) that sounds sounds familiar to me as well yeah but um but there's uh this sort of like polyphonic singing um that uh popol this is part of like the popol vu soundtrack but it's so like it's hymnal and it's like dark um and kind of you know obviously like sacred sounding i guess hymnal and sacred are like synonyms but um yeah it's it's gorgeous and a very intense scene and uh kate bush in her record that came out the day after i was Born. Oh. Speaking of auspicious days, <laughs> on Hounds of Love, there's a song called Hello Earth. And like in there are these sort of quiet, like mini intermissions between the chorus and the verse that comes after it. And it's this like, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and it's it's really cool. So. Um, yeah, I just, I love that film. So when you watch, so as a musician, when you watch mm-hmm. movies, how either enjoyable or distracting, like, do you, are you very focused on the music? Um, No, I'm not. That's good. Yeah, I get That's into ca- I the I can story. see how that would be more helpful to be able to separate it. But. Yeah. 
Yeah, unless the music is kind of supposed to be a focus, but I've been lucky to have people kind of point out and like, you know, educate me about how the sound was made or like why it is the way it is. And then that gets me really excited about, you know, how I would put something yeah, together yeah. to kind of learn more about. Yeah. I always wonder people like I have a friend who makes films and when he watches them now, he said, there's just certain things I watch. Like, I know how much work went into doing A, B, or C that you're, you're watching. Mm. And I always wonder, is that do you, is that like a curse? Or is it a, <laughs> or do you enjoy being able to notice that? Because for me, like not being involved in it, in music or in movies, like just being able to like let it wash over you is kind of, I feel mm-hmm. happy for that. Yeah. But I can also see how it would be kind of interesting to go, oh, I have like an insider view of how that's made. I mean, everyone kind of wants to know how the sausage is yeah. made sometimes so that, I mean, even if you but hear. But that's also a warning to people. Don't ask how the yeah. sausage is made. If you want to keep eating sausage, you don't want to know how it's made. <laughs> Depends on the sausage, I guess. That's also true. That is so true. But I think about that, too. Like, sometimes you watch a movie and the music is just whether it's um, uh, whatever soundtrack they pick or just um, original compositions. It just see, goes so seamlessly together. You don't think about one or the other, but you definitely hear it when there's a song in there that is um, not, just doesn't vibe with whatever you're feeling about the film. And then the opposite. Like sometimes all I can think about is the strange, beautiful music that happens in movies and film nowadays and how it's almost like a, can be like another character of the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm glad that you kind Absolutely. of explained that because you put into words what my brain's been thinking about but didn't know how to say. So I'm, I don't know, I love the the marriage of them both. Mm. And I'm surprised to hear that it's not the first thing that you think of. So mm. that also makes me feel like I'm watching movies how I'm supposed to watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have a correct approach to yes. watching Thank movies, Dory. That's really why right. I wanted you here. We're and all I, I doing, doing a good right. job. <laughs> you do a wonderful job. Well, speaking of music, is there a music, this is a broad category, mm. a music-related film, meaning either it's about a musician that you like or, or you're interested or just has like music that you love or the, it's literally about music? Is there mm-hmm. any music, music-related film that is one of your favorites? Yes. Uh, a pairing comes to mind. There's oh, two that are tied for first with this, but have I want to say quickly, different. I love it when people can't choose just one because it makes yeah. me feel better because I can never I just choose one. Okay, yeah. thanks. I feel like, no, okay, I feel safe. <laughs> also as someone who can't choose. Uh, great. Thank you for validating that for me. My, that's why I'm here. <laughs> this is our therapy session today is what I'm getting from it. And I love it. That's right. Um, but yeah, I, so two that come to mind for me are um, Blue from the Red, White, and Blue series. Oh, yeah. The Kieslowski uh, tr- trio. Is it a trio? Tri- I like triptych. trio. Okay. It is more of a tri- I think triptych is nice, mm, too. Okay. Um, that one, uh, which is about musicians, it you know features an original score that was made specifically for this film with, uh, you know, the the sort of culminating moment of this film is when the song that uh, Juliette Binoche's character's husband uh, started creating called the song for the unification of Europe. Um, he died, he and her daughter died tragically in an, in an accident. And, um, and sort of the background of this is that she had been kind of helping him 
helping her husband write these scores all along. Oh. Um, and then there's also like another collaborator who I think is named like Olivier or something. But anyway, there's another guy who's like um, maybe an assistant or like has a sort of collaborative partnership with her late husband. And so the rest of the kind of drama of this film unfolds with, um, you know, will this song be completed? Who's going to be completing it? It has so much to do with grieving um, and how your creativity can be either like accelerated or stunted by that process and also just like creative capital and you know ownership of your work um, which is really it was very amazing for me to watch that um, you know uh, and see like a woman as the protagonist and kind of see what she is grappling with as far as that you know uh, uh, I don't know, impact on her sense of identity or ownership. Or I think part of the storyline is like, you know, her kind of coming to terms with being credited, you know, on this piece that is eventually premiered. And it's, you know, the song for the unification of Europe. It's like this, it's an anthem. It's like grandiose. Yeah. There's a choir and a symphony and a, you know, a s- opera soloist um and it's just it i find the song itself so moving the film is you know it's a it's a tragedy with julia pinoche you know as the main character so it's heart-wrenching check Check. (laughs) um but yeah i just i love it so much and i i really do think about this film like all the time um, that's good yeah. I saw those movies when I was in my 20s when I was excited about movies and I was digging mm-hmm. in but now I'm way past yeah. and have such a vague recollection of them so when you were talking I was like oh yeah I think now I feel like I need to go back and watch again so I can have mm. them more current in my mind mm-hmm. so what's your second one uh, okay Tuki Buki directed by oh, yeah you, you know some hits uh-huh. <laughs> really yeah I, also i'm filling up my letterbox I know, <laughs> yeah. app right now with stuff i need to see <laughs> see this is now i'm not to, i don't want to interrupt Tukey you bookie. but i, I want, want her to say it like seven i know times i know <laughs> it is one of my favorite things to say is dookie bookie and i don't know what it means um we saw i saw hyena with, by mm. that director which was like many years later and it was sort of a follow-up but I've always, for the longest time, literally couldn't find Tuki Buki on streaming. And I think mm. recently it is. So it's in my queue, but I haven't gotten to it mm-hmm. yet. But I'm so excited about the things uh, you're talking about. Okay. Yes. Tuki Buki. Yes. The sound. <laughs> I mean, okay. So yeah. Jib, I'm, well, forgive me if I'm pronouncing this wrong. Jibril Diop Membedi, I believe, was the filmmaker responsible for the gorgeous you know, film and the soundtrack, the accompanying soundtrack. Oh, he did the soundtrack as well. Yes. Um, And so it is incredible. It's, it's like kind, kind of a collage, like kind of a pastiche. There's music. I think the song songs in it are like Josephine Baker or Edith Piaf or Josephine covering Edith Piaf, you know, like um, that, like, La Plaisir d'Amour song is in there. <laughs> like, you know, um, very like French kind of anthemic ballads. Um, but the thing that really like tore me to pieces with this one <laughs> um, was uh, I, I thankfully was like 
in in art history class and the professor Genevieve Hyacinth who has like the coolest name. That is a great name. Yeah. So thank you <laughs> Genevieve um and for pointing mom. this out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Mrs. Hyacinth. Yeah. <laughs> for pointing this out but um so he did these really interesting things with um like combining ambient sounds um in really artful ways to kind of create a a sonic narrative so like the moment that i'm thinking of specifically is like where the you know it takes place in senegal and there's a griot who's like uh you know dancing and telling the story and like talking about this one of the protagonists like ancestors and stuff and and you hear this uh she, you know she starts like cackling and and you know because she's like a she's I think you know this sort of like spiritual force that's a part of this film yeah. and so you know her voice kind of is like overlaid then with um seagulls from like you know the shore of the ocean and and then like the sound of the the birds and the sound of this woman's laugh and voice are like overlaid and sort of start to fuse into like one sound and it's it really is just like the most incredible thing to like realize that you're hearing because like you can hear it and 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 it's like we were just kind of talking about you're like subliminally you're you're experiencing something and it's it's a part of the the impact or like the narrative of the story or that moment but like to have someone point out to you that like the kind of mechanics of yeah. how that was how that was put together or even thought of in the first place and then to kind of listen for other examples of that like there's amazing scenes of just like you're just hearing like breathing like this like you're right up by right. someone's mouth and they're like on uh, the two characters of the two protagonists of the film are like by the ocean and you're kind of hearing like the sound of the ocean and just the sound of breathing like so up close and um, just I'm, something that's coming to mind too is just like in the last uh, Bees album that we recorded Hawaii. There's a lot of like, uh, like collective interest amongst like uh, the band members or like us who were like recording vocals for that to like um, have like the vocals be more like dry or up, really up like kind of like you're oh, right yeah. like talking right into your ear or whatever like have okay like yeah let's put the sound of like this person's breath in here yeah. or whatever um so yeah that just is coming to mind too as i'm like talking about this um but yeah it was really um that was really kind of a turning point for me kind of to understand how that was created and to appreciate that film even more. And then just like when I meet people like, you know, Adam, who's into doing like the tape, you know, these like sound collages or, you know, just other collaborators that I just mentioned, uh, you know, and bees and, you know, more experimental like soundscape creators (laughs) and musicians. Like, yeah, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, like I, I, I can appreciate what you're doing and, in in a way that kind of goes back to this, like you know, nineteen year old this me. Reference to, yeah. Well, let me ask you too about when you're talking about the seagulls and the woman's laugh. Just a practical question: when so you said you found you realized what they were doing later, or is it very apparent 
in the film that these things are all happening together. And is it a part of the music or just like the sound of that scene? It's a part of the sound of that scene. And I think so. I think I watched it first and didn't realize that that was happening. Okay. I didn't. I, I think, yeah, it was just like what we, we were saying earlier with sound just like kind of washes yeah, yeah. over you. Yeah. It's like and um, I think, you know, maybe this is like a really primal thing for us humans but it's like when you're faced with something kind of like really nuanced or unusual as far as like how you're sensing the world like how you're experiencing sound like you're kind of uh that sort of like mystery and like just kind of mundane like acceptance of it in a way or something like you can I don't know if I'm even articulating this well at all. I'm but, pretty sure. Oh, um, yeah. You really are. Like, this oh, is okay. why I, like, always love talking to you because um, you think you have a curious mind. And I think that kind of mixes with your, like, the artist inside of you. And I was just thinking, like, if you didn't take that class with the Genevieve Hyacinth mm-hmm. to point out these things, maybe it would have taken you longer to notice those. And mm-hmm. I think that's where the beauty within life lies in these moments and seeing how things are connected to you emotionally. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you. And <laughs> yeah, I'm we're lucky that we get to talk to people to teach us things or show us things and, and share with us in in, you know, creative ways. It's just yeah, I'm a total benefactor of like other people's like wisdom and knowledge of of the world so thank you other humans (laughs) thanks everybody else (laughs) yeah yeah but wonderful um, yeah so okay thank you i don't know i feel like did i finish or did i answer your question or oh yeah absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. no you yeah because we were talking about the inter whether Mm. you because I can see how a filmmaker could make a choice to let you know like they show the seagull they show the woman laughing and then they could show it you know melting together like you can make that choice or what mm-hmm. it sounds like having not seen this yet <laughs> is that they do it because they know it's gonna they don't need the they don't need to spoon feed it right, to exactly. the audience they can mm-hmm. st- but they still know that that is the sound that they want yeah and that is gonna you know benefit the scene mm-hmm. in that way but the, then to find out later you know like oh you're adding some extra sauce to this movie that you're like, you don't need to show it off. You just know that it needs to happen. Well, and that's kind of what happens in real life, right? You don't just have one sound coming at you in any particular situation. And so I feel like, you know, watching movies like this and talking about things like this could actually help me next time I'm walking outside to really pay attention to all the noises happening mm-hmm. and just letting them wash over me and like creating like an emotion. Like could be in the middle of a park. Like I was in Three Bridges and there's a part where you don't hear the cars anymore. But then there's a part when you're walking and suddenly you you kind of quietly hear a train or a truck mm-hmm. and it just kind of transports you emotionally to a place you can't even put in words but it's just a feeling mm-hmm. of coming out of nature and now being back you know with mm. the rest of civilization and there's emotions attached to that mm. I, love, I it. love that and there's a great example in the movie MacGruber that I think uh, really <laughs> echoes this mm, when the explosions me. happen but you also hear a jaguar at the same time yeah I <laughs> mean I feel like there's a real connection between Tuki Boogie <laughs> and MacGruber I mean sure. yeah leave it to me to bring this back down to <laughs> that's right MacGruber at every <laughs> given moment <laughs> we probably have that is hilarious. I love MacGruber, so I'm not even gonna. I can't if make fun of you. There are a lot of highbrow movies mentioned. I always. 
always have to just bring it back down. <laughs> that's just a curse. That's my curse. Yeah. <laughs> a gift. Uh, it is a gift. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Do we want to ask a couple more movie-related questions? Yeah, let's ask we... a couple more movie-related questions. <laughs> this has been one of our classiest episodes ever. It has. So no. thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's a low bar, but still, but still, feel good about yeah. it. <laughs> All right. So we we usually ask, what's the movie you've seen most in a theater? Have you seen a movie more than once in a theater? Uh, yeah, maybe not by choice. <laughs> <laughs> I get that too. Um, can I say like uh, what I've streamed the most? Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, this is so no, bad. No, no, no. we talk. We do both. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No stream shaming here. <laughs> Mermaids. <laughs> like share. <laughs> Wait, share and and uh, Christina Ricci. Yeah. I want. I mean, I love Whoa. the podcast format, but I do wish everyone could have seen your face <laughs> when you. Not reluctantly. It was like a mix of reluctance and pride when you said <laughs> mermaids. Okay, tell us more That's about right. that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, say it again with just, like, mm. Yeah. Mermaids. <laughs> That's <sounds> perfect. <laughs> and she did like a crotch chop. Yes. That right. Mermaids. <laughs> right. Boom. And probably, she dropped a microphone. <laughs> probably second only to Nosferatu. Yeah. Uh, except I don't have the DVD. As I do with Nosferatu, which I have in English and German. Oh, but. wow. <laughs> well, do you um, have mermaids in German? Oh, my. I wish I Just did. Just the dubbed version? I really, that would that be would really be amazing. <laughs> now, another movie I have to go back and watch again. It's I, been a long time. I have a fairly good recollection, I think, of mermaids. Uh, I remember the timing herself in the bathtub right to mm-hmm. try to hold her breath the longest i remember a lot of mm. things that yeah. was a good movie yeah i mean it's just it's a feel-good flick and um yeah. and Cher is an amazing actress yeah. i think um so yeah it's just it's <laughs> like popcorn yeah. to me and so. a good soundtrack if i remember correctly wasn't there a lot of like 50s yeah. Yeah. Girl group stuff in there. Absolutely. All right. So the final question, Christopher, if you're okay with this, I love the one where it's like, what is your- Oh, I know what you're talking about. You know what. So what is a movie, it could go either way, but I think it's this one. What is a movie that you love, but not necessarily everyone else loves? I try to avoid the phrase guilty pleasure, Mm -hmm. but because you don't have to be guilty about it, but like- Maybe critically, it's not like the most acclaimed movie, but it, you don't care because it's mm. it's one of your faves. Oh gosh, <laughs> I feel like I just said it with the mermaids yeah. one. <laughs> it was a twofer, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I think people, I know people like mermaids, but it is probably more one of those like nostalgia likes rather than like oh because it's fine cinema. Right. But yeah, there are other ones that sometimes people are like listen. I know this ain't good. MacGruber. Like sometimes people no, are MacGruber. like MacGruber. Yeah, and, and I and I will fight them on that. Blade, I will Blade, Blade Trinity specifically. I will give it to them, mm-hmm. but I still love that movie. But mm. yeah, there are some. Yeah, I guess I just have no idea what people think yeah. is good because I feel like now we really live in a time which, luckily, I think the where people are getting back their sort of you know sense of 
democratizing like oh yeah yeah you know taste and expertise and you know like this like high low dichotomy right, that right. you were talking about so i mean i like said mermaids reluctant perhaps reluctantly <laughs> because probably because like a teenager oh, yeah. <laughs> I, told, I told her i loved mermaids or something and, and like, she was like a young cinephile and, and yeah, yeah young film yeah and she was like mermaids more like Turd uh, maids. Napoleon. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going for oh, a run. I was just trying to think of like a fans, something like academic. Oh, something more. Okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> Turd Maids is, but, I think a lot of people do respect that film. I would watch that for my crappy movie night. Someone please make Turd Maids. <laughs> <laughs> Although we did watch a like a Killer Mermaid movie for one of our crappy movie oh, nights. Oh, yeah. Mermaids mm. that are angry. Angry mermaids. Un- understandably so. I'd watch that. that. Um, um, I, I agree with what you're saying. I yeah. think it is it. That's why I like throw away the term guilty pleasures because there's no guilt in it. Mm. Right. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like mm-hmm. I don't care. That's the that's practical the whole thing magic. About that. Is that oh, like yeah. a yeah. thing? Yeah. Okay. Maybe that. Although uh, it's you know, great. I love that one too. <laughs> right. See, I just like said these... yeah, yeah, like I have, <laughs> but I haven't. Though the, I think my yeah was more like I know a lot of people who mm-hmm. have uh, affection for that movie, <laughs> but in that way where it's like, look, we know what it is. It's but we love it because it's what it is. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. Sorry. Well, this no, was great. This was very good. I feel oh. like I've gotten. An, I work with Marielle. That's a little spoiler, but um, I feel like I've gotten to know your your movie interests even more so now. Oh, thanks. This is great. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much for being our special guest today. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. This has been really exciting for me to just shoot the breeze with <laughs> two lovely people Aww. lovely and brilliant so. well it's not over yet my friend oh okay we have a little segment we'd like you to be a part of called mm-hmm. what else have you been watching mm. do you want me to go first you first today All right, we're going to talk about what else i've been watching and what have i been watching i already talked about how much i hated winnie the pooh blood and honey <laughs> so we'll skip that i just wanted to say it again mm-hmm. please don't watch that um <laughs> i finally saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Did I talk about this already? Oh, no, because it was a podcast. <gasps> That's right, that which we did. I wasn't there for. Mm-hmm. Oh, so this is perfect. I finally saw it. And <laughs> What'd you think? I thought it was great. Right? Even if I watched that movie with the sound off, mm-hmm. it was so such a cool animation style. Really scratchy, yeah. but really stylized. Mm-hmm. But then even with the, with the sound on, which I did watch it with the sound on, uh, it's very funny. It's very funny. I like the twist on the story. I mean, it's the same story, the origin story, but there's a little, there's a lot of nuance in it that I you don't get from all the ones that were cool at the time, but maybe aren't so cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I loved how some of the characters you know are just bad characters all the time kind of come around a little bit. So yeah, I thought it was great. I had a good time watching it. Delightful. And Nicole said, you are clearly liking this movie because I just kept like really quiet in the room and then I just go, ha, ha, ha. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Little bursts. But yeah, I really liked it. What have you been watching, Dory? Um, I've been watching, I think it was a four-part series about Jewel, J-U-U-L, the e-cigarette company. Oh, I thought it was the singer Jewel. And I'm like, four parts? No. Oh, but <laughs> Well, yeah, I did see her. Re- yeah, well. that's yeah. true. There's all phases. Of and life. then now, yeah, um, yeah. I watched that recently because I 
never smoked, but everyone around me was using jewels and still some do use e-cigarettes. But yeah. I thought it was fascinating because the company that started it in the time with tech company startups, like the people actually wanted to do some good with e-cigarettes. They wanted to get people um, who are addicted to smoke. Like they basically wanted to crush big tobacco and oh, yeah. make people healthier. But through a series of events, which also included needing um, capital investments from people that didn't care about a company with a mission and just wanted return on their investment, how the company kind of changed and compromised a little bit of what they were doing, not only to make the best product available, but ended up making something that was unintentionally meant for children, totally targeted towards kids, and then the terrible epidemic and health problems that happen after. It's really fascinating. Um, There's not a lot that's resolved. You get to see some of the owners, and you can see they have been through trauma. There were people that worked at Jewel um, and believed in the mission that wanted to be anonymous to share their part of the story. So it's a little bit about like capitalistic grossness that we have in this country, a little bit about People that are just tech that wanted to do something interesting and unique but not try to harm people. And then the people that just are in between trying to make something make something that's good for the public. But then where do you back out when you realize that this product is going in the wrong direction? It's very fascinating from like that a psychological point of view, too. That's very interesting because you would assume like, oh, all these companies are just trying to kill us and they don't care about their money. But it's interesting that at least started from a place and yeah. to see how the system is going to like, well, we're going to take it in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Marielle, uh, do you have anything that you've been watching? It can be a TV show. It can be a book. It can Ooh. be a movie. It can be anything. It can be a book. It yeah. can be a book. What yeah. book Whoa. did you watch what, recently? What book did you watch? <laughs> okay, I'm really excited to share this. So I'm Good. diving deep into the whole Rachel Pollock, uh, uh, sort of all of all of the things that I can find that she wrote, um, which started with this book about. So Rachel Pollock is a, um, a tarot scholar. And also has written, you know, fiction, nonfiction, um, you know, about her experience as a trans woman and also as, you know, writes a lot of like sci-fi, almost like speculative theology stuff and also was a writer for um, the Doom Patrol and created the first like trans woman superhero and is just like her writing is so just gorgeous and as you know from like my music videos <laughs> you know <laughs> i am interested in the tarot um and so this book uh that the first book that i read of her is called um a walk through the forest of souls is what it's called which yeah. is just a gorgeous a, a subtitle a tarot journey <laughs> or something like that but there's a subtitle that's more specific to like with a literal subject but um it's really it's so fascinating like if anybody's interested in a book that's not like sort of a like one to one like card meaning of the card kind of thing it's more kind of like it it really is like a, a, a not meandering, but just like an exploration of these different sort of like microcosms or like universes and interconnections between the cards, but also kind of with this overarching or like canopy of like 
her experience with them and sort of like synchronicities that she's had that sort of further help give meaning to the cards and she talks about like accretion as like a technique in reading tarot like when you kind of have a reading that you know intimates certain like quote-unquote like definitions that's kind of a limiting term but like definitions for different cards you can use they can bring more meaning into future readings but I mean she brings in so many like philosophical and quantum physics you know, ideas into this. And it's just really mind blowing. And then so now I'm reading um, the Beatrix Gates, which has um, some very short stories and like memoir type writings and and, uh, a brief interview at the end that I haven't gotten to read yet. But I mean, it's just she's the best. She's so amazing. So so she has like an academic, like almost academic approach to not acad- I guess it's a mix of academic it's rigor for sure yeah. for, for tarot mm-hmm. also does sci-fi also wrote for uh was the comic doom patrol or the show doom patrol the comic book so that yeah. is quite and then has stories and yeah she's like created cards uh like in collaboration with like neil gaiman and stuff oh, like okay. she yeah in a um, really interesting career but she passed away i want to say like a year ago or, oh, wow. okay. a little, or in the past couple of years and i think but, i love the idea yeah. and i am i think my brain is too frantic to do this mm-hmm. but i love the idea of picking somebody and just digging in like you were mm. saying like read just reading one after another of the like i've done Would that you over read time. that like in chronological order of the releases to see their development as a writer that could be interesting that would be interesting mm. i find that like when i take a short story collection by somebody who's had a lifetime of writing them i i have recently learned i should skip to the middle first Ooh. because if i start with their first stories they're not going to be like representative of them mm-hmm. and sometimes i get bored cuz they're not great yet mm-hmm. <laughs> I go to the middle where they're like oh you're good then I can go back and appreciate oh that makes sense because I've quit short story collections because I've tried to go in mm-hmm. order just a mm-hmm. quick tidbit mm-hmm. pro tip from a reader love that but I do love I wish I had the focus and not I need to like break it up a little bit like to take somebody and just go I'm gonna read a bunch of stuff by them all at once mm-hmm. this is exciting this is super exciting what a lovely podcast <laughs> thank you so much I'm gonna call this our loveliest podcast <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for having me again. This oh, was so much fun. We'll do it again. I want to do it again every okay. week. Uh, <laughs> See you next Monday. Everybody, thanks so much. Thanks to Marielle, of course. Mm-hmm. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We have some other people to thank. We do. We would like to thank our podcast producer, Kim Shine, and Newski for our yeah. theme song. And we've got some sponsors, the wonderful Associated Bank. And we also have Eyes on the Lake, I Care and I Wear. But, uh, Marielle, as you know, we couldn't do any of this without our members of both Milwaukee Film and uh, Radio Milwaukee. So we'll let you thank them. Oh, I'd be so honored. <laughs> Thank you. Dory just put her hands out like in a sort of like Here you there are. was this like magic fairy dust that just like sparkled before me. So yes, I have the honor and privilege of thanking the members, the loyal, talented, passionate, gorgeous members yep. of Milwaukee Film and Radio Milwaukee oh. to just 
incredible Milwaukee institutions in arts and just being human. Oh man, yeah. I've never been called a human before. It's what this we are. <laughs> it's the one I, thing we have in The humanity of it all. <laughs> it's never been pointed out to me. Everybody, thank you so much yeah. and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.